The first two weeks we've been looking at the Old Testament system around uh, what we would consider church finances. Then it was tabernacle, temple finances. And then we looked at the New Testament system, what we could gather from the New Testament, that the New Testament was built on the Old Testament. I kind of wanted to start there uh, a little bit more logistically uh, instead of (coughs) vision-wise. But um, now we're going to move into more vision of what does God what is God's vision with money and what how does God view money really just in general not just not just for the church but for our families for ourselves and and, and for the church and when it when it when it comes down to that when it comes down to that God's vision for money a lot of times in our culture we we really just point to one story one story and we make an entire theology around one story and that story really is the rich young ruler of like we see Jesus tell the rich young ruler, "Hey, give it all up and follow me," and that and we build an entire theology around that, and really what I will call a poverty theology. That unless you're poor, you're not really a Christian. And maybe I'm going a little bit exaggeratory there, but at the same time, we kind of see this all around Facebook. If a pastor gets too nice of a home, what happens? Somebody quotes this story, right? as if they're the authority on too much, right? If we live in too much luxury, and we now, I'm meaning more, anybody, any Christian, if we live in too much authority, uh, 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 luxury, the luxury police will come out and quote, the rich young ruler. But of course, on the other side, we got the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, and etc. cetera, and, and, and we've got that. And they've got proof texts as well, right? Biblical proof texts. The problem is sound biblical hermeneutics, study of the Bible, doesn't take just one passage into consideration and build a theology around it. You have to take all passages into consideration and build a theology around all passages. So, trying to get 30,000 foot level here, what is God's view on money? See, we do have two opposite ends of the spectrum kind of pulling on us said this more in youth ministry than I do here, and I should say it more here. Orthodoxy, right thinking, orthopraxy, right practice, depends on us holding in balance two opposite thoughts. As if, as if we are walking on a tightrope. As if we are walking on a tightrope. We will fill the pool in both directions. So let's relook at the rich young ruler. Let's look at that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, I quoted a rabbi by the name of Daniel Lappin. What he said was the Hebrew word, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and uh, Jews call that the Lord's language, and the more, the more he, he explains that, the more I believe him. In Hebrew... If one word means two different things, both of those things are linked together. So in Hebrew, the word charity or tithe and the word wealth is actually the same Hebrew word. He said these two are linked together. That if you want to build wealth, you give it away. You give it away. We looked at Malachi. We saw where God said, test me in this, right? Test me in this. 
I want to do immeasurably more. I want to give you an immeasurable wealth. Now, Daniel Lappin, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, didn't come up with this. This was a thinking, this was a knowledge that was around long before Jesus' day about these two words, charity and wealth, being the same. So through that filter, maybe, maybe, rich young ruler may make a little bit more sense in the grand scheme of things. Because what happened? A guy came up to Jesus, rich young ruler, and said, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? What did Jesus do? He knocked off some commands, right? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie. The guy's like, I, I, I've, I've done those since I was young. I'm a goody two-shoes Jesus. Don't you love me? And what did Jesus say? Sell everything you got and give to the poor and come follow me. Right? But through the filter of charity and wealth being interlinked, what if Jesus is saying, there's a greater wealth? Because what did the guy do? He walked away sad. He walked away sad. And here's what Jesus says. Seeing that he, the rich young ruler, became sad, Jesus said, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Or Luke 18, 24. Sorry, I didn't introduce that. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What we're going to see here, we're going to see a succession of three equations. Again, if you're an English major, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm more of a math guy, so this works with me. We're going to see a series of three equations. The equation that Jesus just set up is this. Wealth before kingdom equals difficult. Wealth before kingdom, the other one, the other one. You're, you're giving my hand away, bro. Wealth before kingdom equals difficult. That's what Jesus is saying. This could go a couple of different ways. If you have wealth, before being introduced to the kingdom, it's going to be difficult. Why? Because wealth is going to be your God. But you can show up to church, you can show up to church every week of your life, and wealth is still before kingdom. You can give your tithe, and wealth can still be, be before kingdom. Nicole and I experienced that. Went into debt. Did the rest 90% the way we wanted to? And it just seemed like we were swimming upstream against God. This is what Jesus is saying. Wealth before kingdom. Things are going to be difficult. Doesn't that almost sound like Jesus is saying, test me in this? Test me in this. Let me, let, let's see, let's see what happens if you actually do this. But the problem, the problem with actually building an entire theology around this one story is this. Lazarus, my bad, not Lazarus, Zacchaeus, the other guy. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he. And he climbed up in to a sycamore tree to see what he can see. And what do we want to see? He wanted to see the Lord. He wanted to see Jesus, right? Okay. 
Chapter 18 of Luke is where we're reading Rich Young Ruler. You know where Zacchaeus shows up in? Luke 19. Three stories later. What does Zacchaeus say? I'm going to give away half of my possessions, and I am going to refund those that I defrauded four times the amount that I defrauded. If rich young rulers are theology, what should Jesus say? Not good enough, right? If rich young rulers, exactly how we treat everybody, Zacchaeus, pretty good. Not good enough. What does Jesus say? Salvation has come to this house today, right? Salvation has come to this house today. That was, uh, that was blasphemous and scandalous for Jesus to say that. You know what Jesus never said to that guy? Hey, you know all these commands? Same thing he said to the rich young ruler? Why don't you obey me in those? He never said that to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus broke every single one of them that week. You know what else he never said to Zacchaeus? Follow me. He never said follow me to Zacchaeus. You know what he didn't say to Zacchaeus? Leave your job. So there's a more full way to look at money. And God, in his vision, has a more full way to look at money just by these two stories that are three stories apart in the Bible. But see, back to the rich young ruler story. Jesus continues. Verse 26, to those who heard this, asked, then who can be saved? If this guy has checked off all the boxes of the commands and God has blessed him with riches, then who else can be saved? Who can be saved? Jesus. Because this guy is the picture of salvation. To them. What is impossible with men is possible with God. He left the door open, right? Then Peter said, look. This is, this is a get it moment for Peter, right? He always puts himself out there. Sometimes he misses, sometimes he hits a home run. He hits a home run here. He's figuring out, he's putting the pieces together. Look, Jesus, look around you. We have left what we had and followed you. Look, 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 look. If the rich young ruler would have just looked to the 12 disciples standing around Jesus, he would have understood what Jesus has tried to tell him. Look, there's a greater wealth. Look, the, none of the disciples went hungry. Right? None of the 12 disciples went hungry. None of them were mal malnourished. They had a money bag. You only need a money bag if you have money. We're getting deep here, folks. Going way down below the surface. They had a treasurer. His name was Judas. That's a different sermon. His name was Judas. You only need a treasurer if you have treasure, money. 
Now, health wealth say this proves that Jesus and his clan was rich. Ah, it just means they have money, all right? Just means that they have money. What do you think the twelve disciples would have said to the rich young ruler if he would have asked? Is he smoking something? Is your boy smoking something? Give away everything? What do you think they would have said? And here, Jesus gives us a different equation. He said to them, Jesus said to them, I assure you, there is no one who has left a house, wife, or brothers, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Peter and Jesus flipped the equation on its head. Kingdom before wealth equals a greater wealth. Kingdom before wealth equals a greater wealth. Doesn't it sound like Jesus is saying, test me in this and you will find a wealth immeasurably more like God, what God said in Malachi 3? Doesn't this sound very similar to that? Doesn't this sound very similar to, look, give it all away and you'll find out that you have a greater wealth. This came into clearer focus for me several years ago. I think it was at a camp where a gentleman from Africa who lived in a society that becoming a Christian meant he walked away from his family, walked away from his job, walked away from the life that he knew. And he looked out to the crowd and, 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 and kind of motioned out to the crowd and said, but I have a family. I have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers beyond what I could ever imagine. Look around. Look around. Look around. This is a family beyond what you could ever imagine. Think about it this way, too. My wealth can only go so far. Your wealth can only go so far. But what if all of our wealths were put together? Do we now have a greater wealth? A few of you in here are like starting to get nervous. Are you talking about socialism? Come back next week and you'll find out. <laughs> How about that for a tease, huh? Greater wealth. Doesn't it sound like Jesus is saying, test me in this? I also thought about this this week. This has been, this has been, this has been interesting to think about this week. Since the time of Jesus... The majority of Christians, to become a Christian means they give up everything, right? Job, family, money, way of life. They go underground and they become a Christian. But this grand experiment called America, we don't. If you are a CEO and you become a Christian, there's nothing that requires you to resign from that position. You simply have a different way of viewing the world. You now are following Jesus. There's nothing keeping us, any of us, from becoming millionaires, except ourselves. 
in America. Just becoming a Christian doesn't mean we have to renounce the life that we have. And becoming a Christian at an early age doesn't mean that CEO is off the table for you. Right? Isn't that an amazing opportunity? Isn't that a heavy responsibility? If for the first time in 2,000 years, this, in this thing called America, we actually can, can, can earn a wealth still? We don't have to renounce anything? Isn't that an amazing responsibility? What did Jesus say about responsibility? To whom much is given, much is required. Because you live in America, because I live in America, and in particular because we live in suburbia America, we are automatically in the 95th percentile of the world's wealth. Congratulations, you're wealthy. I don't feel wealthy. Yes, wealth is um, relative to where we live, but wealth is also mindset. Right? It's mindset. What do we do with our wealth? How do we view our money? What do we do with it? Second Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is trying to urge the Corinthians to give to the Jerusalem offering. This occurs several years, several decades beyond uh, Jesus. And um, there's a famine in Jerusalem. And um, they were, all, all the Mediter rest of the Mediterranean Rim churches were collecting an offering to go back to Jerusalem. And so, um, and so, we see Paul urging the Corinthian church to participate in this offering. And he brings up the Macedonian church, and the Macedon or churches, and um, uh, the, the, the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, is one of these Macedonian churches. From our study guide a couple of weeks ago, we see that the Philippian church gave a, a, what looks like a fairly decent gift to Paul for him to be able to continue his ministry. And here is what Paul says about the Macedonian church. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of, of their generosity. Here is another equation. Severe testing by affliction plus abundance of joy plus deep poverty equals Wealth of generosity in overflowing measure. What if, for your life, test of affliction and extreme poverty were part of that equation? What would that equal? Not a chance and beep that I'll give, right? But Paul's saying, look at the Macedonian church. This was their equation. And you're richer than them. 
Corinthians. You're richer than them. So what are you going to do about it? And Paul actually gives us, gives us how God views money in these verses. Did you catch it? About the grace of God granted. Money is a grace. Money is a grace from God. It's a blessing. Something he doesn't have to give, but he does. He views it as a grace, a common grace, a grace that he gives everybody in differing measure, but he gives everybody. What's not important is looking at somebody else and going, God, why don't you grace me like that you grace them? What is important, according to the parable of the talents, is what? What we do with what God has placed in our hands. Right? Money's a grace. This dawned on me last night. Money's a grace. Just like his forgiveness, his salvation, love, food, the sunset, mountains, creation. It's all a grace. What do we do with it? We'll answer that next week. What do we do with it? The call to action, this entire series, is be generous first before. Does this sound like what Jesus is saying? Kingdom before wealth equals a greater wealth. Be generous first before. We've had, we have a generous church. As you're sitting there, I don't know how generous or not generous you are. I've made this my prayer recently. God, make me more generous. Make us more generous. And God is answering that prayer. Now I classify this underneath the category of dangerous prayers. Don't pray it unless you want God to answer it. God, I want a Lamborghini. He may or may not answer that prayer. He'll answer, God, make me more generous. He'll answer that. And when he does, it'll be what experiencing God, Blackaby calls a crisis of belief. Will we actually have faith? When he answers the prayer, God, make me more generous. Will we answer that prayer? That's the question. What do we do with our money? Next week. How about how you view the grace God's given you?
That's this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for another time to come before You. Thank You for the money that You've given us. The grace that You've given us to this. Lord, I just pray that You will continue to move in each one of us. That You will do something amazing in our hearts. Make all of us more generous. Make the thinking of our collective minds more generous. Make our heart more generous. Lord, allow us as a church, no matter the size of our church, to be able to make a significant impact simply because of the size of our generosity. Because of how you've led. Thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.